there's basically two kinds of consciousness or awareness. So I've boiled it really down because we can talk about Claire Graves and all of that, you know, we can get all very academic, but that doesn't help most people. And as a leadership coach, I needed something to help people very fundamentally understand what state they're in. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is to bring you interesting, informative, entertaining guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have different ways of helping us to become better versions of ourselves. And virtually every guest has some unique way of helping us. And I think we'll be hearing some things from today's guests that were that will be totally new to us and we haven't heard before. Uh, Dr. Terry Badar is a renowned leadership coach and CEO whisperer. We don't get too many of those on here. In addition to her MBA, Dr. Terry has accrued additional training in authentic leadership, uh, managing complexities, and behavioral economics. Between writing, coaching, and teaching meditation, Dr. Terry devotes herself to Love Conscious Human, a one of a kind educational platform to support those who are ready to embody love consciousness. As I said, we'll learn about some things we we don't typically hear about. Um, Her recently published book is titled Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind. A lot of us can certainly use that. Um, She is a sought after speaker and workshop facilitator and a guest mentor and uh, judge for incubators and accelerators in the Boston startup community, uh, which means she obviously lives in the Boston area. So without further ado, uh, Dr. Terry, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say, learning from you, and hopefully implementing some of what you've got to teach us. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, very happy to be here. And um, I have to say, thank you for all of your work you're doing to help people. I think it's important. Okay, I guess that's uh, all we have time for. Now, you complimented <laughs> me, but let's, let's see if we can squeeze some other information into this. So first of all, I mentioned a term that I suspect is unfamiliar to many people um, who don't know of your work, and that's love consciousness. Um, Why don't we start out by finding out what that's all about? What does it mean and how can we use it? Yes, so there's basically from, in in the perspective of, of what I do, there's basically two kinds of consciousness or awareness. 
So I've boiled it really down because we can talk about Claire Graves and all of that, you know, we can get all very academic, but that doesn't help most people. And as a leadership coach, I needed something to help people very fundamentally understand what state they're in. And so what we have is war consciousness most of the time, which means we are, we have inner conflict, we have outer conflict. We're seeking to capture, contain, and control something, someone, or ourselves. And that's kind of a left brain kind of way of seeing things where there's right and wrong, good and bad. Yes, no, this, this binary uh, reductionist mindset. And that's what I call war consciousness. So basically it's a filter through which we see the world. And then on the other end of it, we've got love consciousness, which is when you're in a higher state of being and you understand that everything is complementary. You want to comprehend a situation, step, look, look above the right or the wrong or us and them or the inner conflict, even with your own internal narratives. And that love consciousness is, again, it's a different filter where you want to um, use compassion. You want to comprehend. You, you care about what you're doing. It has more depth. And so those two states of being are something that we toggle through all day long. Now, most of what we do in business, because I work with a lot of business people, comes through in a war conscious way. And that it's the competition. It's we have to capture, contain, and control the next market share. And we're willing to do anything to get there. And that can be very detrimental because war consciousness is fundamentally destructive and love consciousness is fundamentally constructive. So if you want to build a great product or if you just want to help people, you have to be in love consciousness. You can't be in war consciousness and build a great product and help people or be a really good leader. It's very, very interesting. So is this, uh, you say we toggle through these two during the course of the day. Does that mean it's innate or is there some basic consciousness state, but we've learned, uh, you know, society has programmed us to uh, use the other? I love the question. I love the question, Ron, because... Um, we are fundamentally love conscious. Nature itself is fundamentally fundamentally love conscious and it's fundamentally cooperative. Um, if you look at like the nature of like how a tree, you know, everything, everything is, it's like a nature is its own circular economy. Nothing is lost. Energy is the same way. Uh, so most of the laws that we live through, live by in nature are love conscious but we have a problem in business where we've created models that are not love conscious um where a certain way of doing can get out of hand in business we tend to call it mba myopia where we don't care about the actual outcomes enough we don't care about the impact on society or planet we're just there to take profit out of a system or, you know, get your next bonus. If that's, you know, for, for a lot of executives, that's what they're thinking about. Um, so we have all of these 
social constructs, even psychological constructs that we've inherited through life um, that are tend to push us towards this reductionist thinking where other people are things to be used and squeezed or you know we come at it with this what am I going to get out of this situation mentality rather than how do we come together for something greater and that is fundamentally war conscious um there's a lot of factors societal factors that play into this and so yes it is something that we've mostly learned um there is a fundamental fear as well um, that tends to push people into war consciousness and those are fears that are some are societal like the idea of lack or what we call poverty consciousness in some some circles and then there's the other part of it which is the fight flight or freeze reaction and that's biological so many factors i don't know what you want to grab onto there for your to add clarity here well what i want to grab onto is the question that i've got uh i mean realistically since you used business and as an example and i think i want to ask on a more personal level too but you know if i'm in business uh let's say um building cars uh, mm -hmm. or whatever it can be, pens, notebooks, whatever. Um, isn't it my goal to try, aren't I helping society more if I build the best possible car and try and sell it to everybody or build a pen that doesn't run out of ink without some warning, uh, you know, and try and sell it to everybody? I mean, isn't, isn't competition good to some extent? Oh, yeah. Competition is good. It's not about the fact that we don't compete. It's the fact that we have to, at some point, go beyond that. Um, what we're looking at mainly is when I think of war consciousness in business, I'm thinking of the mindset that executives have where they fundamentally want profit and what it costs to society, to the community, to themselves personally, doesn't matter. That it's only, they're willing to give up their personal health. They're willing to give up their family. Um, how many executives, leaders do I work with that are CEOs that are estranged for their from their families? Happens every day. Um, they're willing to, to um, because uh, they're not thinking long term, they're not thinking in a constructive way, and so it's that that reaching and that scratching and that treadmill thing where they're trying to just get the next dollar. So and, I'm sorry. Go yeah, go ahead. No, I, I guess I'm when, when when we hear then about socially conscious businesses, is that. Is that the goal is to uh, to have socially conscious businesses that are businesses that that need you yeah. know profit to survive, but they're socially conscious? Yeah, business is how we deal. Profit is a given. We don't need to make it an objective. Uh, it's obvious that if you're not profitable in your business, you're not going to survive, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's it's not about whether or not you have profit. It's whether it's what you're 
willing to do and how you're willing to do it and how you're going to. So I work with a lot of social entrepreneurs. That is my niche, mm -hmm. truly. Yes. Um, and the journey that they go through is very different than your ordinary executive. So if one of the listeners is who's listening to this podcast is a parent of a young child or teenager, preteen. Um, are there certain principles to kind of keep in mind that, uh, you know, knowing that there is exposure to the rest of the world, but is is there, are, are there certain principles that, that people should be aware of if they care about your love consciousness? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first thing they can do is buy the book flip your switch, a user's guide to a whole new mind. Um, uh, I wrote the book so that everybody could have access to these principles. There's so many, there's so many factors that can help incrementally lead the person towards living in love consciousness. Being in love consciousness is kind of like the MC squared of how to take care of your health, how to think in a way where you're going to be healthy, how to think in a way where you're going to respect your future self, how to think in a way where you're going to make choices that are good for you and good for others. Um, and to have the, I would say, discipline and wherewithal to con continuously be on that path and understand what you're doing while you're doing it. And there's a lot in this book. It's really a methodology for the ordinary person. I can only coach so many people and uh, you know they pay me by the hour and it's not cheap. So if you want to have this in your daily life, if you want to raise your children in a love conscious fashion to have that kind of energy in your family, absolutely just you know go for it by the book um there's a couple of ma major things that you have to look out for and this affects everyone it's what i call the happiness lie or the happiness formula lie it's one chapter in the book which is the idea that if i just get the right house the right spouse the right diploma the right job uh, the right car, if I just get hit the right weight or my body looks the right way, or if I just get all these things right, then I'll be happy. And marketing sets us up for this. Consumerism makes us think that we have to have the next blender in order to be able to, you know, make the right kind of smoothie to be healthy, that I can't do it in my old fashioned blender or any other way. And there's a lot of us, we're, we're subjected to this a lot. It's around us and we get bombarded by it. So the happiness formula lie is one of the things you have to debunk in your own mind and try to shift. Uh, another really important one is understanding your own thoughts, that thoughts create outcomes. If you constantly think about yourself in a negative way, and you probably know this, uh, even the enzymes in your body 
can, you know, you can have releases of enzymes in your body that are not good for you. So just in a basic physical way, it's bad for you. Then beyond that, um, it's, it's, I like to say worrying is like negative goal setting. If you're constantly worried about all your contingency plans and all of the things that are going to go wrong, you're going to end up there because you're not putting enough thought, energy, and activity into the other, the other good contingency plans, the good things, the, the positive outcomes. And so that's where, where your thought goes, your energy goes, where the, that's where the outcomes are. Well, I, I mean, this, this is fascinating. And I'm thinking in terms of people I've worked with, I'm, I'm wondering if, if among your coaching challenges, if, if somebody has comes to you at say age 60, are they more ingrained and harder to work with? Or are there, uh, the very fact that somebody is seeking it, is that a good sign? Or I, I'm, I'm just wondering, are, are there, I happen to ask about, you know, doing something for a long time, but are there are there particular types of people that are more difficult to, to work with in this way than others? Absolutely. There's like a scale and there are life events that will push people in and out of this. So um, if you are 60, so, and, and I have, I have actually this conversation with um, a lot of my clients who are, uh, uh, 40, 50 plus and have children's children and they have an established career. Once you have an established life lifestyle where, you know, you rinse and repeat on a daily basis, what you do and who you think you are, of course, it's harder to shift your identity. And it is an identity shift. If you think that the world is a horrible place to live and you've been thinking for 25 years that the world is a horrible place to live, it's pretty hard to break that. But usually my, if, if they're seeking, so what happens if, with someone who thinks that the world is a horrible place to live is that they show up broke, diseased, divorced, um, uh, in, you know, lost their job, their identity is broken down by life events because their negative thought processes created negative outcomes in their life and they hit bottom. So that's one of the ways that really rigid people will, or, or people who are ingrained in a certain negative thinking can end up in front of me. I do coach a lot of people who are what we call high potentials meaning they just don't want to stop. They don't want to settle for whatever level they're at. They just want to go to the next level. Just like they want, they have some inkling of awareness that there's got to be more. Just like, you know, they're, they're, in, they're in Maslow's hierarchy and they've got all the, all the little things they need. All their needs are met. And they're like, well, what, what's this belonging thing? I want to belong. I want to love myself. What's this sort of self-actualization thing? I want to do this. So they end up in that space. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, um, you have your MBA as well as a doctorate. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your own journey to doing this? Because it's not necessarily what you, you hear from a lot of MBAs or, or people who have business backgrounds. Oh, that's a really, uh, how far back should I go? So 
it all really started. Um, so I was in high school, I was a smarty pants. I kind of still come off that way, but whatever. Um, and I did four years of high school in three years so that I could become at age 16, a, an exchange student to France. So I was placed in a French high school where I had minimal French learning. And then I spent the next two decades in France. Hmm. And um, I really, I, I'm one of those people who want to know. I want to find out. And I want to do it for real. I don't just want it from a book. And um, so when I was 20, living in France, 2021 is when I started working uh, as a project manager for um, a research institute who was studying the workings of the unconscious mind and the power of suggestion. They were a, um, what do you call that? Um, unacknowledged special access uh, unit working for the French government in social engineering. So I worked with them for seven years figuring out how the subconscious mind works. So I participated in many experiments um, with them uh, as a project manager. And that's when I started to understand what I call and use in my work patch reprogramming and how someone who can have a phobia can come in and re incrementally reprogram the narrative and the experience around the phobia and then deprogram it and reprogram in other narratives, reactions and experiences to change their emotional landscape around the phobia. And it can diminish and sometimes completely disappear. And I had my own issues. So I used that on myself at the time in my early twenties. Now I'm 57. So I have been doing this for decades and I love it because I can help so many people undo and redo their mental emotional landscape to be happy well that's wonderful and i guess one of the ways you can do it is through the book so um number one will you mention the title again and uh if there's any other thing you want to add about it and uh, most importantly where can people get it well, um, the title of the book is Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind. And you can get it on Amazon for now. That's my only outlet uh, for the moment. Uh, it just came out this last summer, this summer, a couple months ago. And um, you can find me, uh, my coaching is whitelilycoaching.com. And now for, I'm also doing classes and I'm starting an educational program called Love Conscious Human. That's loveconscioushuman.com. And um, those, are, those are the main ways I think to get in touch with me. You can also find me on Instagram, Dr. Terry Badar one on Instagram. Um, LinkedIn, Dr. Terry Badar. So um, that's where you can find me. 
Um, I guess I don't have anything else to say other than thank you. It was uh, really nice to be here and talk with you. And I love your questions. Well, it's really enlightening. Uh, before we quit, though, I want to make sure that we'll have the information in the show notes, but be aware that Baydar, I believe, is spelled B-A-Y-D-A-R. Correct. Yes. Is, Good uh, point. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get all that. Uh, the other thing, uh, th just to clarify, uh, do do individuals join your coaching program or do companies do it? How who Who is your clientele? So with my leadership coaching, um, there's three different things directly with companies. And I do workshops and I do um, I do personal development workshops for companies for a lot. I work a lot with the HR. And um, then I also do uh, I do coaching directly myself through my company. White Lily. And then the platform for everybody who maybe isn't looking for leadership coaching, but wants some personal development that's affordable is Love Conscious Human. That's the educational part where there's, we're just starting out, but we got a lot of programs that are coming that are easy. And I'm also going to be doing a monthly Q and A around the book for people. So it's easy to get in there and ask these questions. This is all new thought. So it's normal for people to have questions. And I want to just be available to do that and answer questions. Well, that's wonderful. And it uh, certainly seems like a different way of looking at things and to be able to have some guidance while we're doing that through the book and, and the other avenues is, you know, terrific. And I'm, so happy that you took the time to share some of your ideas with us. Uh, really looking forward to hearing more about love consciousness as it hopefully becomes a little more mainstream. And as some of your uh, some of your disciples from your your program begin to have some impact in, in the world, because uh, I suspect we have enough war consciousness to uh we don't need to make any changes in that area but looking forward to seeing the impact that that your work will have moving forward so once again thanks very very much for for taking the time to share your ideas with us and uh for the listeners i'm sure that you're as appreciative as i am and if you are i hope you'll Download the episode, tell your friends about it, uh, review it, uh, write about it, uh, rate it, and so on. And then don't forget to be back next week when we'll have another really interesting guest who can help us become more enthusiastic about the way we pursue our lives and in the process become even better versions of ourselves. So until then... Dr. Ron Kaiser, uh, wishing you all a very good week. Stay positive, stay safe, and be back next time.